Because frankly, guys, we don't have time to think. Once you get going, you just need to act. You need to, you need to make choices. You need to have already thought. David Allen is widely recognized as the world's leading expert on personal and organizational productivity. He is an author, consultant, international lecturer, founder, and chairman of the David Allen, Allen Company. He is also recognized as the world's leading authority on personal and organizational productivity and is the international best-selling author of Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, Ready for Anything, 52 Productivity Principles for Work and Life, and Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work and the Business of Life. His 30 years of pioneering research, coaching, and education of some of the world's highest performing professionals, corporations, and institutions has earned him Forbes recognition as one of the top five executive coaches in the United States. He was also named one of the top 100 thought leaders by Leadership Magazine. Please welcome to the show, Mr. David Allen. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> David, one of the questions I like to ask everyone on the show, and it's a little bit of an icebreaker type of question, but we're curious, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Jeez. Oh, that's a good question. The Doors, 1968. Wow. Los Angeles. Iron Butterfly was their opening act. <laughs> that must have been incredible. Well, if you can remember it, they say you weren't there. So. Uh, <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh David, you're probably best known for your book, Getting Things Done, and the methods that are included within which are really designed to create stress-free productivity. For those who are not already familiar with your system, could you please talk a little bit about what GTD is? Yeah, it's a way to make sure you can flourish in your life with the appropriate optimal conditions, and you do that by taking anything that's potentially meaningful out of your head and your psyche and externalizing it, clarifying sooner than later what exactly it means to you and what you're going to do about it, if anything, and then park the results in some trusted systemic way that you can then step back and review and reflect on the totality of all your agreements and commitments and that whole gestalt and then trust your heart or your intuition about and how you allocate your resources. David, why would implementing this be important for individuals who are looking to starve their doubts? Well, the whole point is to move from trust, uh, you know, to move from hope to trust in terms of your decisions about what you do. So most people are being driven by latest and loudest and hope that what they're doing is what they ought to be doing. But if you, you know, externalize your stuff, clarify exactly what your commitments are, step back and look at the whole thing, then you'll be making still an intuitive judgment, but it'll be out of trust and not hope. So... You know, that's the doubt that you're doing what you ought to be doing is one of the big existential doubts most professionals have. Many of the listeners to this show have ambitious goals, and you have an interesting take on goals. What do you think is one of the secret values of having goals? Well, the future never happens. Have you ever noticed it's still today? Damn, it's today again. Jeez, it keeps <laughs> being today. Golly, you know. But the future gives us the opportunity to actually hold images and pictures in our head, and that's a very powerful thing. Just, just you know, the, the, the image that you hold, we know, it immediately affects perception and performance. The future is an illusion, but it's a real handy one because it gives you the opportunity to actually believably see yourself in an improved condition. And seeing yourself in an improved condition is going to help you immediately, right now. 
So if I say, gee, uh, Jared, you know, five years from now, how cool could a Sunday afternoon be? You'll very likely give yourself permission to have different pictures. And I said, well, imagine how cool it could be this afternoon. Now, you might have cool pictures for both. But if the five years from now picture has some more expansion, more expression, more, you know, uh, more of even more of a cool factor, then start to start to integrate that more of a cool factor right now. Which is not to say that, you know, you shouldn't have direction and focus. Absolutely. You, you can't help focusing. So, you know, sometimes picking a, a target in the future or picking something like that gives you a, a nice stake in the ground to then to move toward and, you know, gives you a context to learn and grow and expand. Uh, but I don't think I ever achieved a goal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of slid into them because the truth is right now, the best goal you can see, you're only you're only imagining from your current state of maturity and experience. Mm -hmm. But if you move toward that a year from now, you're going to have to be more mature and be more experienced. So very likely that goal will change. As a matter of fact, moving toward that goal is going to be important right now because six months from now, you're going to recognize something you didn't see now. But you wouldn't have seen that had you not started down the path toward the first goal. So six months down the line, you go, ooh, David, wait a minute. That's what I, I don't want X, I want Y. But you couldn't have seen Y from back here. You had to start moving on X before you got to a point where you were mature enough and experienced enough to actually formulate and notice Y as where you really wanted to go. So you course correct. So you never got X, but X was a very handy tool to get you. You couldn't have gotten to Y had you not had X. Does that make sense? I think that's really uh, both inspiring and also very pragmatic. Um, I absolutely love that approach there. One of the things I do in, in some of my other roles is uh, involved a lot with time management training. And, and I'm just curious from your perspective, what are some of the counterproductive pieces of advice that you see from a traditional time management approach? Well, first of all, the name sucks. You can't manage time. <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on. That's a hoax to begin with. You've, you've created an artificial and a, and a, a non-productive framework. Because as soon as you say time management, you're assuming you can manage time, but you can't. You, you, know, you don't mismanage five minutes, come up with six or four and a half. You know, five minutes is five minutes. I understand what, what they're getting at. They're getting at how do I manage myself during the time I have. You know, so you know, you got 24 hours. Everybody's got 24 hours. You know, da Vinci had 24 hours. Mother Teresa had 24 hours. Johann Sebastian Bach had 24 hours. You know, as uh, you know, I, I like to point out, you know, he didn't have email, but he did have 20 kids. I mean, take your pick. <laughs> right? So we, you know, thank goodness most people don't have another two hours a day because guess what they'd fill it up with? The confusion and out of controlness that they've currently got. It's a good thing they only got 24, right? So right. The, the point to all that is, yes, you really want to just make sure that you, to my original point, you want to get comfortable with whatever you're doing and you need to be appropriately engaged with that. And appropriate engagement may mean I can't do anything else for the next hour because that's what's required of me to be able to produce this pro forma spreadsheet or whatever for the bank or whatever this thing that I do. So it's really about how do I build confidence, to your point, of getting rid of the doubt that what I'm doing is exactly what I need to be doing. And that's where you're managing yourself appropriately. And managing yourself is really about appropriate engagement with all of the things that are pulling or pushing on you. That's much easier said than done, by the way. But so back to the, the question here, well, where does the, that training kind of miss the mark? Well, first of all, the old training, and I don't know how many people are still doing this, but daily to-do lists don't work. They haven't worked since the telephone. Mm -hmm. 
You know, <laughs> so as soon as something new shows up in your world, the the speed of change is really what's what we're dealing with. People have often asked, "What's new out here with all the iPhones and the Blackberries and the, you know, and the iPads and the, all the electronic gear and texting and all that stuff?" And I say, "Well, nothing's new except how frequently things are." While the three of us are on this. <laughs> on this Skype, you know, things are piling up for all of us right now. They're very likely going to change and reconfigure what our priorities are as soon as we get off the, the, the hook here. And you, you kind of want life to be that interesting and that dynamic. The problem is if you're trying to overstructure it, and that's where a lot of those time management courses don't work, is they try to produce a structure that's relatively artificial given how fast things are moving out there. So you do need structure, but it needs to be as little as you can get by with, as much as you need, but as little as you can get by with. So you just need to be able to structure enough, and then, you know, I plan as little as I can get by with, and then just trust my intuition moment to moment about what I do. Now, that said, there's a whole lot about how do you galvanize your intuition so that you can trust when you, you know, when we get off the, the phone here, that, we'll, that we can make a good judgment call. Well, how much have you visited how, you know, why you're on the planet, what your core values are, how much have you, you know, matured your picture of wild success career-wise and, you know, long-term and, and professionally and personally, lifestyle. And by the way, how much have you galvanized or, cl you know, clarified for yourself what you think you need to accomplish over the next, you know, six to 12 months to make all that happen? Now, by the way, how much have you clarified all the aspects of your life and job that you need to keep in balance? So that you've got an, a healthy enterprise, finances and quality control and PR and marketing and sales and operations and executive and admin and all that. And, you know, so how much and then, by the way, how much have you clarified all the things you need to finish, told yourself about all that? Your 30 to 100 projects most people have, you know, get tires on the car, launch the ad campaign, hire the assistant. And by the way, how much have you then seen all the actions that you need to take about all those things? Most people have between 150 and 220 emails to send, documents to draft, phone calls to make, stuff to buy at the hardware store. So the, you know, the real question is how much have you reviewed and reflected on all of that inventory and the variety of that, the multi-tiered aspect of that, and all of those aspects, essentially, that need to go into some reflective review so that you can then start to trust your intuition when you're moving fast out here. Because frankly, guys, we don't have time to think. Once you get going, you just need to act. You need to, you need to make choices. You need to have already thought, essentially. So it's not that you don't want to think. You just want to make sure that thinking is done in a, in a coherent way so that you can then, you know, when you're moving and have to make quick, intuitive choices, those are out of trust. So that's quite an inventory, by the way. Very few people are even close to having that inventory clear. So when we work with people and, you know, my advice and admonition is, hey, guys, get your inventory clear in terms of current realities about all of that first. Then we can talk about time and priorities. You talk about the concept of stress-free productivity. What would you say to the listener who finds it difficult to envision a reality where productivity can be stress-free? Uh, too bad. <laughs> well, it's possible. You know, I know you, you really need to see it. By the way, you can't get rid of stress. I mean, that, let's, let's, let's deal with that right away. You just want it to be positive stress. If you want to be out of the room and you're not out of the room, it creates stress, but that just creates movement. So the whole idea of setting goals automatically throws you into a cognitive dissonance or throws you into, a, in a sense, a stressed state. 
And if you'd never had stress or challenge, you'd never grow. You wouldn't grow or expand or express yourself you know, in, in any way. So it's not that you want to eliminate stress. What you don't want is the negative stress that comes from, hey, I want to be out of the room. Yeah, but no, I want to sit here and write this email. Oh, God, I can't do both at the same time. Oh, damn. That's negative stress, and that's then what's going to produce you know, ulcers and all those other kinds of, you know, bad, bad things uh, when those happen. So I just need to be appropriately engaged. Appropriate engagement, by the way, could be running a four minute mile or, you know, getting 16 people out of a burning building. So it, it doesn't mean appropriate engagement doesn't mean stare at your navel, walk around the Rose Garden, though it might. It also includes any of that that says I'm just appropriately engaged with the stress or with the challenges or the opportunities that are in front of me. So that's really where you want to get to. And so looking at somebody who's, let's say, an expert at GTD, they may look as harried and busy and overwhelmed as anybody else. Just on the inside, they're not. So, you know, if, if you kind of catch that, that difference, in, in a way, the better you get, the better you better get. Because the better you get at this productivity game, the more things you're going to take on and the more you realize you can do. <laughs> You'll take on bigger, more incomplete, and more ambiguous stuff. I think that's why they say uh, if you want to get something done, you ask a, a busy man. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the funny thing is, is the people who are who you know least need what I teach are the people who are most interested in it. Hmm. It's the most productive people that are most aware of drag on their systems and interest in getting rid of it, and that's what my stuff does. But if you're not moving or don't want to go somewhere and are not challenging yourself to do that, getting rid of getting rid of drag is a drag. You know, you're going to have to do some different things. So it's the most, the, the good, cool thing about what I do is the most productive, bright, sharpest, creative people are the people that, you know, show up in my world interested in, in this stuff. Because they're creating the biggest blowback on themselves, too. It's the highly creative, productive people that are actually producing a lot of the residue, and they just haven't, you know, brought, they haven't brought up the rear guard and sort of, you know, taken, taken advantage of, you know, the ability to be able to keep that clean and sustainable. So they'll, they'll, they can often wind up running off the end of their own peer. I was definitely a big fan of your, your first work, so I was thrilled when I saw that you were a speaker at this year's past Chick-fil-A uh, leader cast. And something that you said during that time really stuck with me, and, and I think you already had uh, directly mentioned it, about uh, not really needing more time in our day. You always, at least I do, I always hear people say, you know, there's not enough hours in the day, and and I absolutely love your response to that, but, but how do you typically respond when someone says that? There's not enough hours in the day. Well, you know, I mentioned it before. It's kind of like there's, there, there are 24 hours. You can't manage time. So what people are usually saying is I've got conflicting priorities. You know, I can't do X and Y at the same time. And, you know, that's, that's really true. You can really do only one thing at a time. I mean, your, your psyche cannot multitask. You can, you can switch tasks rapidly, especially if you have a good placeholding system like GTD, you know, gives people. You can man, you can, you can have lots of plates spinning in the air and still be stress-free. So it's really about being able to feel comfortable that the one thing I'm doing is exactly what I need to be doing. So it's the half empty, half full thing. So you either feel that the one thing you're doing is exactly what you need to be doing given all the other options, or you're not sure, or you know there's other stuff you ought to be doing and you're not. And those last two are what create the sense of procrastination, the sense of, gee, I need better time management. But time management really only shows up because you've let the world come in with all the opportunities. Time management's not an issue if you're in a crisis, by the way. 
actually productivity is not an issue either. You move into your zone in a crisis because you focus very clearly on one specific outcome. The rest of your life gets put on a back burner. You're taking actions. You're dynamically steering, moving toward you know what you're trying to accomplish. So it's very easy to, in a way, to move into your zone in a crisis. It's just that, gee, why wait for a crisis to get there? But, you know, figuring out how to be able to have that mono focus that what I'm doing right now is exactly what I need to be doing, you know, and you're positively engaged in that, uh, getting to that point requires that you know what all those other things are. See, when you're not in a crisis, the gate drops and all of the barbarians at the gate come running through. Now you need tires on your car and you're going to spend time with your kids and you just heard about this thing you want to take and wow, look, I could surf that place and I could. <laughs> so now you've left the world. Now you need, I need more time. <laughs> Part of the entrepreneurs or solopreneurs challenge is doing everything from being CEO and leader to shipping and bookkeeper. This is increasingly a challenge for the do more with less corporate world as well, where individuals are required to be both task oriented and strategic. How does GTD help address the unique difficulties this presents? It allows you to be strategic when you need to be strategic and not have tasks disturbing your consciousness. And it allows you to be tactical, uh, you know, and, and, and put your mind on it and handle that as efficiently as you can to get it out of the way so that you don't have, aren't nagged about how you ought to be strategic instead. David, all of us I mean, have moments in our life. Yeah, see, you know, I've, you've, you've got, you have, uh, you have a CEO and a COO in your, in your psyche. We all do. And the CEO is the crazy maker. Hey, here's an idea. We could do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. We could do that. Wow, what a cool idea. So my CEO inside of me, my in basket is the, the fabulous tool, my capture tools. They capture all kinds of fabulous ideas and maybes and could and shoulds and that'd be cool and here's a neat thing to do. And then first thing in the morning, the COO wakes up, looks at the stuff in the in basket, the CEO threw in there and says, what the heck is this? Jesus, do you got, are you kidding? You know, <laughs> we have limited resources. We need to organize ourselves. And the problem is, is when you, the COO part of you, the operational part of you that actually is aware of that more linear, more sequential, more spatial, more whatever, you know, they, they, they sort of understand resources and all that stuff. If you try to have them be a CEO, they'll blow a fuse and you get the CEO to try to be a COO, they'll blow a fuse. And most people implode all of that. So what GTD does is it's actually able to distribute all of that out there so that whatever you're focused on, hey, it's time to now sit down and be strategic. You truly have a clear deck to do that within. And then when it's time to be tactical, you close that strategic door, and then you go out, and you don't have to think you've already thought. Now you go execute, and you feel fabulous. And then you come back around and say, hey, now it's time to be strategic again because my execution actually created a whole lot of new data and change and, and so forth that we need to dynamically steer. Now let me shift back up. So the ability to shift your focus is really the elegance. That's the martial arts here. How can I have a broad focus? How can I then have a, a tiny focus? How can then I, you know, that's, and that, the ability to be able to shift from one to the other and not have one dragging the other down and pulling on it, that's, that's huge, and that's a lot of what the benefit of GTD provides. Well, I got to say, I uh, had a chance to get out there and download uh, the GTD app, and uh, it, it definitely diagnosed me as a crazy maker at the moment. So, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just means you know that you yeah you you, you can you your, your downside is you can very likely overcreate you know without being aware of what your resources really are. The upside is, you know, you, 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 you got vision and got cool ideas and a high level of creativity.
Well, I would love to hear a story from you. Uh, I think that all of us have moments in our life, even if it's something that's subtle, that can truly be life-changing. Uh, would you mind sharing with us a story of your own about a thought or an idea that's changed your life? A thought or an idea that changed my life? Well, you know, I have to say, you know, and I'm just giving credit to a great mentor of mine, a guy named Dean Atchison. I, I you know, acknowledged him in my book because he was the guy that taught me about emptying my head and deciding next actions. That was profound because I thought I had my act together and then he actually did that and he had actually uncovered those because of his work in, in creating organizational change that those were just sort of some critical elements to be able to clear the deck so an organization wasn't holding itself back because of old business and open loops and sort of lack of abilities a lack of ability for people to really execute on things coming into their end basket but it turned out that those were those were phenomenal and so just being becoming aware of those and watching how that affected my energy and clarity and focus and then starting to test that out, that became a lot of the core of GTD and you know, certainly changed my life professionally. David, Jonathan and I are grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you. What's the very next action step for someone who wants to learn more about GTD? Well, uh, if you're into a quick surf, our, our website, davidco.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O.com, there's a lot of stuff around there. So there's, there's multiple kinds of media things and, and various ways people can play. And it depends to what degree you kind of want to jump in. If you really wanted to jump in, you could get one-on-one -on -one coaching, which, you, which we provide. We even do that virtually. So all, that's, all that information is on the site. You know, my first book, Getting Things Done, really is a manual about all this. So if somebody hasn't read that yet, that certainly will give, that's an inexpensive way to, to get involved. You go rent it from the library for free, mm -hmm. you know, or check it out. Uh, and, and it really has all the information in there. You know, a lot of people, if you don't like, if you can't hold yourself down to a book, you know, they love audio. So... That's the book's on audio, so a lot of people get to it through that way. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Find somebody who's a GTD or somebody who knows about it and hang out with them, see what they found out about it. You know, I think there's, a, there's the information, you know, about, hey, what is GTD and just a, and as a methodology and just being aware of that. Certainly the book will give you that. Um, you know, I think you just did a, if you did a Google search for David Allen and GTD, you're going to find, <laughs> you're going to find a lot of stuff there. You know, my True. talk at, my talk at Google and my Ted talk or, you know, so all of that gives different windows into, I guess, what this is. And there are lots of avenues people can, you know, take to get involved. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Uh, just that this is easier than you might think. I mean, this is what I'm talking about here is not some new foreign language or something, you know, some new technology that takes a long time to learn. All of the behaviors about, you know, getting stuff out of your head, deciding, clarifying next actions, organizing things in appropriate categories and so forth. Everybody's already doing versions of all of that. So there's really no new skill to learn. Uh, I think just, just realizing that being aware of how you put together those behaviors in a coherent methodology. I mean, the, 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 the whole is much greater than the sum of those parts. So you just need to get engaged, you know, start to play. And if nothing else, try the two minute rule. <laughs> the two-minute rule, if you don't already have that as a habit, that can change your life. And the two-minute rule simply says, when you pick something up or open an email or whatever, if you can actually handle whatever the action step is, if there is one, and it can be done in less than two minutes, do it right then. 
you know, because it'll take you longer to stack it, track it, and look at it again than to finish it when it's first in your face, if you're ever going to do it at all. And that I've had people tell me that just changed their life. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a low barrier to entry to to start to play in the game. The truth is actually that does start to galvanize a key component of this process, which is to to sort of awaken your executive decision making. You know, as opposed to open the email and then put it back in your huh, stacks, just call it, huh, and close it up again. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. What's the action that I'm that they're asking me or that I need to do about this? Just putting yourself through that thought process right on the front end. That is game changing. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I can say I can attest to this myself. Uh, I know that two-minute rule has been a big lifesaver for me, but uh, I just appreciate your your work in this space. It's truly revolutionary. It changed my life and my approach to productivity, and I, I think it's all about getting out there and, and implementing it and, and freeing up some of that mental RAM so we can give that appropriate attention to whatever we're working on. David, thank you again for giving us your time today. We really appreciate your insights. And if you'd never had stress or challenge, you'd never grow. You wouldn't grow or expand or express yourself, you know, in, in any way. So it's not that you want to eliminate stress. What you don't want is the negative stress that comes from, hey, I want to be out of the room. Yeah, but no, I want to sit here and write this email. Oh, God, I can't do it both at the same time. Oh, damn. That's negative stress. And that's then what's going to produce, you know, ulcers and all those other kinds of, you know, bad, bad things uh, when those happen.